there's a lot of shoulds, a lot of that. Yep, should, people shitting all over themselves. Um, Hello and welcome to Life with Ed, the podcast. I'm Julia Wirth, your host, a registered dietitian in New Haven, Connecticut. And happy August, everyone. I can't really believe that it's um, already the last month of summer. I, I don't know. I feel like we just started summer, but that's how I feel about most of this year. So I think we're probably all in the same boat on that. Um, today, instead of sharing a news article, I wanted to share an email I got from a listener um, she makes some really great points and has a beautiful story to share. So just wanted you all to hear it. So here we go. Um, she said, I had anorexia all of my teenage years, but I have only realized it in the past few years. And she's 35 now. Um, because except for a sad summer when I was 14, I was never excessively thin. And so I didn't think that there was a problem. I have never received formal treatment, but I would say that I have been physically and somewhat mentally recovered since my early 20s. With pregnancy, I was expecting body changes. She just had a baby in April, by the way, for a side note, <laughs> and weight gain to be the hardest part, but I was actually pleasantly surprised about how much joy was brought to me by seeing my body transform and how confident in my own skin I felt. The unpleasant surprise came from the web and my OBGYN. As you said, the obsession with healthy eating in pregnancy, especially healthy snacks, really is mind-boggling. In case you were thinking of more pregnancy-related episodes, I am, don't worry, <laughs> you could read one of those crazy advice articles like you did with that article about how to lose weight before one's wedding, and I will be doing that, so that's where we're coming, but her email is what spawned that, and so I'm going to finish this part where she addresses one of those articles. Two sentences from something on babycenter.com stuck in my head. Occasionally, you can treat yourself to something sweet like a granola bar. I'm sorry. Does anyone consider granola bars dessert? I don't think so. Um, that, that's me adding that in. But then she continues, and if cravings are meaningful, we would all crave less chocolate and more broccoli. And, and that's not true, right? So cravings are meaningful, and we crave chocolate because we need energy. Um, and, you know, it's important to listen to our cravings. It's important to eat fruits and vegetables, of course, but it, it doesn't help to be like, oh, cravings aren't real. Um, let me just ignore everything and pretend um, that my body's not asking for something really specific. So to answer your question that she asks in here, you know, yes, cravings are important. We should listen to them. If we if we are really hungry, if we're craving, you know, high energy foods like chocolate, we need to make sure we're eating more. If, you know, we're craving you know, red meat, which for some reason during this pregnancy, I am all the time. I think it's because I'm probably somewhat iron deficient or, you know, I have a larger blood supply right now. So I need more iron. So I'm listening to that. Um, and they are important. Don't ignore them. Um, and she goes on to say that OBGYN related trigger came in the form of of a bump in weight gain sometime in the fifth month. The doc showed me that the dots corresponding to my weight over time were above the upper limit of normalcy. So she asked me if I could think of a reason why I was gaining so much weight. <laughs> she wasn't too judgmental about it, but it got, to me, got me wondering why would a doctor discuss a worrisome weight gain without even taking a good look at my body? It seems to me that there are so many different ways that a pregnant woman could be gaining fast pounds, leg swelling, excess amniotic fluid, a growth spurt of the baby, fat stores. And, and she's so right. All of those are true. And doctors and dietitians and nurses and everyone should be looking at 
those things before they like say, uh, excuse me, why did you gain weight? Like maybe it's really obvious. Or you could lead with those questions like, you know, are you noticing any swelling in your legs? Which would, you know, say that there's fluid and fluid has weight. It brings weight to our body. Just like any person who's in the hospital with um, fluid overload from congestive heart failure or any other disease, they weigh a lot more. They can lose like 20 pounds just from draining that fluid. So yeah, important to look at other factors um, for sure. She says, how can the mere number on a scale be sufficient to assess how that woman is doing? It's not. <laughs> you mentioned that a little in the episode, but would haze-based care for pregnant women, but what would haze-based care for pregnant women look like? And that's a really good question. And I'm trying to figure that out because right now our OBGYN, our women's health you know, system is so weight focused. So I'm trying to find providers. That's what, you know, all these episodes are about who really don't focus so much on the number. So thank you so much to this listener for writing in. I hope you all enjoyed, you know, what she had to say. If you want something shared on the show or discussed, or you have any questions for the pregnancy Q&A episode, please send them to me. Again, it's worth, W-E-R-T-H, yourwildnutrition at gmail.com. Today, we do have another pregnancy-related episode, so this is all on the same theme, um, but it's specifically about gestational diabetes. Six to nine percent of women who are pregnant develop gestational diabetes, so there's you know a lot of people out there who are suffering from this or develop it and, um, in one or more of their pregnancies, and it can really impact how you feel about your body, how you're able to nourish yourself during this time, and, and it can be very stressful for some women. So we're bringing on a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator from New York City, Casey Seiden, who specializes in gestational diabetes, and she is also pregnant, so continuing all my pregnant guests during this time. And uh, she had so much to say and share, and I learned a lot during this episode. Um, so I hope you will too. Without further ado, here I go with Casey Seiden. Hi, Casey. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much for having me, Julia. Of course. Uh, well, if you could just start by introducing yourself to my guests, that would be great. Yeah, sure. So my name is Casey Seiden. I am a registered dietitian as well as a certified diabetes care and education specialist. Um, I'm based out of New York City. Awesome. And how are you doing in New York City right now? Well, I'm doing I'm doing good right now. I hadn't been here for a few months to kind of okay. So just back. Really yeah, um, but we've been back for a few weeks, and it's all all is pretty good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I know in Connecticut we were really locked down too for a little while, so yeah. it's good to have a little freedom again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how did you first get interested in working with diabetes and and gestational diabetes? Yeah, so I think my interest it definitely started just from a diabetes lens um, when I was going through my education and training to become a dietitian, one of my rotations in my dietetic internship was at a clinic um, that mostly focused on diabetes care. That was the role of the dietitian there. And I really just always found it super interesting to help patients kind of look at their glucose logs. It was like this big puzzle to me. Yeah. I really liked kind of following their values throughout the day, trying to help them identify what could have caused highs and lows. Um, I liked that counseling aspect with people walking them through barriers, but I liked the medication aspect of it too, mm -hmm. to do some recommendations and insulin adjustments, things like that. Um, so I did that for a few years, right when I became a dietitian and then really working with gestational diabetes just kind of fell into my lap. Um, I wasn't 
looking to change jobs, but an opportunity at a obstetrics clinic, like a high risk OB clinic opened up and it was managing their gestational diabetes. And at the time I'd been going through some personal kind of like women's health issues myself. So health and prenatal nutrition was becoming more interesting. So I took it and that's, that's what I've been doing now. It's almost been a year. Um, Wow. Okay. And what's like a big difference for you between working with just diabetes and now gestational diabetes? Um, I think I would have to say like definitely the population yeah. and just how that counseling relationship has changed. Um, and it's probably the demographics too. A lot of people just with type two diabetes or pre-diabetes, they were kind of sent to the nutritionist and not right. the most motivated, but these women are highly motivated. Yeah. Um, and have a baby on the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the most common misconceptions about gestational diabetes? Because I know it gets thrown around all the time and we're both pregnant right now. And I feel like anytime I'm eating some something like cookies or whatever, someone says like, oh, be careful, you're going to get diabetes. Um, so what do you hear out there? Yeah, I think definitely along that line that it's that, that gestational diabetes is something that we cause. And yeah. we know that's not really true. There's tons of risk factors that go into it. Um, there's maybe certain behaviors that contribute to the situation, but at the end of the day, it's a hormonal issue. So it's not something that the pregnant woman has really caused. Mm-hmm. That I think is the biggest misconception that I hear. Um, the other one that people will tell me all the time, and this is just a difference of kind of what type of dietitian you're seeing or the practitioner right. is that like you have to eat a certain amount of carbs or that you have to be really restricted. So there's kind of these two opposite ends, eating a lot of carbs or eating no carbs. Um, No one really talks about, there's actually a middle ground. There's a way to (laughs) Like normally we're in the middle ground in most things. So it's always, I feel like alarming when someone's like, you need to be way on one end. Totally. Yeah. Scary that way. Yeah. So are there any like you know, certain beliefs or um, like actions that patients often come in thinking like, I have to do this or I should do this or shouldn't do this? There's a lot of shoulds, a lot <laughs> of that. Yep. Should, people shitting all over themselves. Um, uh, the biggest one I think is that they need to cut out absolutely all carbs or mm-hmm. that there's this big difference between, you know, white carbs versus brown carbs, kind of whole grain carbs. And yeah, not necessarily true. So I'll walk them through a different approach on how we can make carbs fit and all mm-hmm. carbs fit really. And do you have women who like were often expecting that this could happen or do you see women who just like this came out of nowhere and it's very surprised? It's probably 75% are thinking that it came out of nowhere. So they're really upset when they get that diagnosis. Yeah. 25% of people, maybe they knew that they had a family history or their mom told them or, you know, something like that. Um, but it's, a pretty big shock to most of my patients. Mm-hmm. And what do you say to them when they're, you know, in that, you know, shocked state and there's already so much other shock going on. So it's a hard yeah. time. No, I think it's going back to that conversation of you do not cause this, right? This is purely your placenta and it's manageable, right? Trying to bring them back down to reality that like, there's all this stuff floating around there on the internet, all these things that you should or have to do, but let, mm-hmm. let's be real. Let's talk about actually our action plan here. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the challenges that women with gestational diabetes uh, like face, especially around their, their body? And I know, like, 
I'm pregnant right now and you're pregnant. I'm sure your doctor is always saying like, this is the amount of weight that we're looking for at this session or, or whatever. And they show growth charts and there's always all this talk about your body, especially during pregnancy. So what, what concerns do you see specific to women with gestational diabetes? Yeah, I, you know, it's a funny thing with body and gestational diabetes because at a, on one hand, I actually think having this diagnosis of GDM changes a person's relationship with mm-hmm. weight un, unintentionally because people will often just, their weight will stabilize or they're, oh, they wow. actually lose a few pounds. Oh yeah, because you're not absorbing. Follow, yeah. yeah, this diet or they've just like, you know, started to reduce the amount of carbs or processed foods that they previously ate. So I actually see a lot of people like have a more positive uh, relationship with their body and their weight going forward. But that's not to say that the kind of medical stigma behind it as to, again, maybe that cause that they were at a higher BMI or something, that mm-hmm. that has something to do with them getting the gestational diabetes, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So maybe like the women come in thinking, oh, it's because I'm larger or I gained weight, but then they sort of find, oh, that's not the case with this at all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it can make them more confident in a sense. And do you see your patients, and this is something I had a couple of people write into me, you know, they have gestational diabetes or had it, and they suddenly felt all this pressure to eat really healthy. And you sort of mentioned this before um, with people coming in. And that's something I see with eating disorders all the time. You know, they're super concerned about eating healthy or the right thing. And how do you address that with gestational diabetes? Because it is important on some level, like you need to be eating fruits and vegetables and all the stuff while you're pregnant, but also how can they just, you know, enjoy those cravings and eat food and, and, and nourish themselves during pregnancy? Yeah. I mean, I definitely try to ground the conversation in steering them away from that pregnancy myth that like, oh, you're eating for two and that you do need to, you can eat whatever you want, but you really are, you know, trying to nourish for two. So it does come back to those kind of basic diet principles, like you mentioned, fruits, vegetables, proteins, and moderate carbohydrates. But then I'll bring up something like, you know, date night or the baby shower that's going to come up. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Those are totally fine to go and enjoy yourself. At the end of the day, it's one day and it's maybe one glucose reading that you're going to get that's a little bit elevated. You know, from my perspective, when I work with my clients, I'm not freaking out about that because I know the other 90% of our behaviors and meals and glucose readings are really, really good. So it's just trying to give them that reality check that, you know, it is okay to have that cupcake at your shower or enjoy, you know, those pancakes on the weekend with your other child or something that Mm -hmm. there's totally room for that. It's, it's just one number out of so many that we're looking at. Yeah. And I always see, and I don't know, I should probably read less online while pregnant, but um, there's always, you know, ads popping up for like, eat healthy when you're snacking and you're pregnant or everything's like reminding you to make sure you got fruits and vegetables and, and limit the other things. Is that something that you hear people coming in? And what do you say to them when they are concerned about having those other foods? Yeah, I hear it a lot. You know, people will think that it is this black and white thing that everything that was quote unquote bad, the junk food, the sweets, like, yeah. oh, I'm just better off if I get it out of the house. And right. I say, well, we don't need to get it out of the house. It's just that, can we have it less often? Right. Mm-hmm. Or can we have it when we, you know, pay, paying attention to the mindfulness behind it? Because so many of us, we have those automatic habits, especially in pregnancy, maybe where it is, I'm stressed or I'm tired or I'm just not feeling good today. Yeah. I'm going to go 
dig my hand into the bag of cookies or whatever. But so then it's kind of outside of food, we'll talk about like, well, we're just stressed. Can we talk about stress relief techniques? How did you mm-hmm. sleep? You know, so we'll turn the conversation completely away from food in that sense to give them other tools. Gotcha. That makes sense. And so you work with doctors like in the practice, it sounds like, right? Yeah. And do you, do you ever hear or think about ways that the other healthcare professionals in your practice could do a better job communicating with women? Or do you hear women coming in saying, oh, someone said this to me and, and that made it really hard um, to eat well or to or care about my body or like my body during this time? Yeah. I mean, and I work with, I'll have to say, I work with some fantastic physicians who Which are- Which is all, I, yeah, most are. <laughs> so caring. Um, but there's definitely, you know, they're, they're doctors, right? They're not dietitians. And so they're steeped in the research or maybe haven't done- enough education about things like BMI and really what that means. So I'll get a lot of women coming and just, you know, saying, Oh, I was sent because of my BMI or like I got gestational diabetes because of my BMI. So I wish that there was a little bit more sensitivity around the, you know, actual weight, the number on the scale or BMI or the rate of weight because it's fuzzy in pregnancy and not everyone's the same. It's a tough time. So, you know, I think a little more sensitivity around how we talk about, weight gain in pregnancy is important. Um, and you know, ask, you know, actually asking questions about their nutrition, be interested in what your patients are eating, ask them what they enjoy, ask them what their cultural foods are and how they can, you know, continue to have those even if they have gestational diabetes. But at the end of the day also just refer, that's why I'm in the office. If you don't know how to talk about food or weight or body with a patient, send them my way. I'm happy to have that conversation instead of you. Yeah. And it, it's interesting too, because you mentioned like a lot of times doctors and even, you know, dietitians do this too. And, and nurses, you're so, you know, accustomed to, okay, well, this is what's supposed to happen. Um, in statistics, this is what happens, but like every person is, is different and we're just one dot on the whole bell curve of what's going on. So when we say, oh, most people gain you know, whatever number of pounds it is during pregnancy at your specific height, well, that might not be right for that individual. And I, you know, had um, a relative tell me that she, you know, would always lose so much weight after pregnancy and then get pregnant again and, you know, need to make that up on top of, you know, the weight gain you normally have from pregnancy. And she was like, my doctor would tell me at like six or seven months, I should stop gaining weight. Cause I had already reached the like, you know, 30 pounds that she was told to gain. And she's like, but how can that make sense? Is that something you see or how would you tell people to try to address those kind of comments? Oh, I, I definitely see that all the time. And, you know, I think that's where it's really tough to tell in pregnancy. We're gaining weight in so many different areas, right? Yeah. <laughs> Body fat going to mom. So it's like you're kind of pointing the finger at that before considering that there's a baby have denser, a denser placenta or the, you know, the baby's weighing a little bit more, more quickly, you Mm -hmm. know, less consideration for that. So yeah, that's a sticky one. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I remember her saying like, am I really not supposed to gain any weight when the baby has to gain like four more pounds? I don't think so. Um, yeah. That makes patients, I think, even more nervous because at the end of the day, they're so concerned about the health of the baby. Mm-hmm. So then you put them in this 
restrictive mode and it drives them in the opposite direction. We could see the baby's growth, you know, suffering detrimentally just because we're putting this emphasis on mom's weight. So every person is, every pregnant woman is different. Yeah. Not to mention stress. And I know stress has a big impact on your sugar levels when you're diabetic. So absolutely. Yep. Definitely not helpful um, for them. So I, we've been talking about, you know, this obsession around weight when you're pregnant and do you think that impacts women who are prone, like that 75% you're saying who kind of know it might happen or, or the 25, I think it was the opposite, 25% who know it might happen, does that affect them differently? Are they going into pregnancy trying to gain less than they're told or, or what do you see going on there? It's tough. Yeah. I don't know how, you know, what percentage of women are going into pregnancy necessarily even thinking about their risk of gestational mm-hmm. diabetes and how I guess that's a dietitian thing to be <laughs> going into pregnancy thinking about. I certainly thought about it. Yeah. yeah, me too. You know, they're thinking of it, I think, from a standpoint of like, oh, well, I don't want to gain so much weight because then I have to lose it afterwards. Yeah. You know, the connection between the weight and gestational diabetes is less apparent to them, but mm-hmm. you know, and again, we do have evidence that the, you know, your pre-pregnancy BMI for whatever that value is worth, um, is, is a bigger influence on possibly someone developing gestational diabetes or like the rate of your weight gain in the first trimester can also be an indicator, but it's the evidence is still really muddy. There's on the the flip side, studies that showed that insufficient weight gain in women who were coming into pregnancy, overweight or obese, are, that's related to gestational diabetes. So it's kind of like a, or maybe it's just everything's related, potentially. Or basically that it's not your fault. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, It was interesting you mentioned the BMI because I, I still get a printout every time I go to the doctor, they hand me like this little sheet of like, it has all your vitals on it. And when your next appointment is, it's not really useful. I don't know why they're wasting paper on this, but they hand it out. And it always has my BMI at the top. And I just think, okay, well, BMI is not really that accurate normally. And it certainly can't be accurate when I am pregnant like gaining weight for a baby why are we still marking oh you're overweight like because you're you know gaining weight for a baby and obviously I haven't grown taller um on our sheets yeah no I agree it's a, such an arbitrary number so why do we kind of send people to a dietitian or suppose that they're going to be prone to gestational diabetes based off of this CMI number Doesn't yeah especially if it is, or if they're still looking at it like while you're pregnant. Like, that's just what blew my mind of like, okay, maybe you look at it or you just look at me as a person when I enter pregnancy, but why are you looking at, oh, she gained weight, that's concerning. Wait, you told me to gain weight. Right. Oh. Whereas then the patients that maybe aren't even gaining enough weight, oh, no, yeah. no, no, you're fine. Well, right. that's uh, concerning to me if I'm not gaining enough too. Yeah, yeah. And I had I had that experience of like, I didn't gain almost any weight for the first four months and the doctor was concerned and it was actually really comforting to be like, oh, at least they're concerned about this too because this seems like a bigger deal than, uh, than gaining weight. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so how can you help women honor their hunger and cravings? I know people during pregnancy often have lots of different cravings while they're trying to you know, keep themselves and their baby safe with gestational diabetes. 
Yeah, I feel like a few of these things I've kind of touched on already. I think shifting away from that mentality of that it is eating for two and you really are nourishing for two. I think keeping that, you know, at the front of your mind is helpful to keep those cravings in check, so to speak. Um, from a hunger standpoint, you know, we have to recognize that there's nothing wrong with hunger. Hunger is a signal that is your body telling you that it needs something or that the baby needs something. So we don't want to ignore a hunger signal, but mm -hmm. being mindful of there's a difference, right? We, I think that we know there's a difference between hunger and a craving. So it's being mindful of that distinction. Um, and, you know, to help to honor your hunger, have those healthy options on hand, have things that you actually will feel good about your blood sugars will respond positively to because if we don't have the healthy options on hand, honoring our hunger is going to be really, really tough. And then we'll go into that crazy mode and just kind of perpetuate mm -hmm. that cycle of shame or guilt or regret over that blood sugar reading. So, you know, to be practical, have that healthy option on hand, but also keep the craved food in the house. If ice cream has been something that you're, you know, very much drawn to during your pregnancy, have it in the house, you know, enjoy it mindfully, you know, pay attention to what's the intention, what's the craving behind it, what's the emotion, monitor the portion size, you know, we, we don't want the blood sugars to spike, that's never my goal. So, you know, enjoy it moderate, you know, in a moderate portion size, and, and let's move on with it. That's fine. Yeah, I so I just want to ask a little bit more about when you say like the cravings and, you know, how to respond to cravings, because I get people asking all the time. And I had a few women email me about this like last week or the week before just saying they've read, oh, cravings aren't real. Ignore them. Like they're just your mind making this up. But at least when I work with eating disorders, all of my patients, I'm constantly saying, no, your cravings are real. Like if you, if you're really craving um, grapes or chocolate or bread or whatever it is, it's because your body needs that and you need to eat it. And uh, I don't know what you say or what you do with patients um, during gestational diabetes, because there's two different things you're balancing there. Yeah. I mean, in pregnancy, there are legitimate kind of cravings. There are certain mm -hmm. reasons why your body wants to yeah. eat a certain food. So like salt okay. is a big one. Always want red meat because I'm anemic. <laughs> there you go. Oh, <laughs> You want the red meat, you want dairy or even ice cream or something because you need the calcium. Right. Pickles or chips because you need the salt. So there are legitimate cravings tied to your physiological need in pregnancy. Yeah. There was a second part to that question. I feel. Yeah. So for women, like say, you know, you're craving ice cream, maybe because of calcium and it's really important, but you are worried about your blood sugar spiking. Have a, your suggestion, it sounds like is have a little bit and then maybe try to have something else. Or what, what do you say to people? Yeah. You know, have a little bit to kind of satisfy what you suspect is that craving and, and then try and have let's say it is calcium, you identify that, or maybe it's just energy. You know, we, yeah, we, we here trying to grow human. And it's a yeah, we crave sweet yeah. things a lot of the times because we just need energy. So maybe it's just choosing some whole grain crackers or, you know, looking at back at the, you know, your day prior and thinking, oh, I was really crazy at the end of the day because I just didn't even have a satisfying or balanced lunch. So tomorrow I'm going to try and do my best to have really balanced meals at breakfast, lunch with a few snacks. And that could hopefully help the, you know, kind of craviness that comes on at night. That's not from a physiological need. It's more of that mental or like emotional kind of need. That makes yeah. Sense. Or, or not getting enough during the day. Exactly. I, I see people all the time who are like, 
you know, for whatever reason, attempting to not eat too much during like breakfast and lunch, which is incredibly detrimental to them at dinner in terms of feeling un- unable to choose what to eat or eating everything or not being able to make a full meal because they're so hungry and stressed about it. Um, and I don't know, one of the first people I had on my podcast ever said the problem for everyone, whether you're an eating disorder or pregnant or just, you know, diet cycling or whatever is going on is that you're not eating enough normally and that when you're actually hungry. That's totally it. Yeah. People really have this fear of eating during the day and then it comes on full force at night. And guess what? We don't even have a lot of the good hormones circulating like insulin into the evening hours. So right. that's what your blood Especially sugar is you have diabetes. Yeah. It worse. Yeah, definitely. So what's one piece of advice that you would give to every woman um, before they're entering pregnancy, especially if they're, you know, worried about um, their weight or their body image or, or developing diabetes? I would say my biggest piece of advice is really just to be gentle on yourself. Um, things are not always going to go as planned. I mean, I certainly didn't plan to be pregnant in a pandemic here. Yeah. Oh, same. Um, but, you know, we have to be gentle when we're in these situations, but know that, you know, change is possible. Like even outside of pregnancy, I'm sure women have done really hard things, right? So we are adaptable creatures. So even in pregnancy, we can make some positive changes, but just be kind to yourself while you are trying to make those changes. Right. Awesome. And so you mentioned, you know, um, if you're pregnant in a pandemic and also there's tons of other stuff going on. What's been the most surprising thing for you, even though you work with pregnant women on a regular basis, being pregnant yourself, what have you learned? This was a hard one. Yeah. I mean, I feel very fortunate that I have had a relatively easy pregnancy here, but I think I have learned just the amazingness of a woman's body. Like mm-hmm. I definitely had had a history prior to pregnancy of maybe not treating my body the nicest. So had had to go through some recovery on my own. And now being in this pregnant body, it's, it's a, such a gift that our body is able to do this and grow a human being. So I think I've just learned to yeah cherish it and really treat it well and with respect and honor it as much as I can. Yeah. And hopefully bring that into after pregnancy and, and remembering like my body did a pretty amazing thing that, you know, only half humans can do. Um, and not, you know, beating yourself up if you're suddenly not what you want to be or what you think you should be. Exactly. That gentleness for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like I, I was just so surprised that, I don't know, that I just, my body just does stuff without me even like thinking about it or knowing how, like, I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm hungry right now. And I'm like the red meat, like craving red meat. And I was so confused as to like, why do I want a hamburger every day? And then I'm like, oh, my iron's down. Like, wow, my body's super smart. Um, And it is, it was enlightening. Yeah. Telling you when to rest, whereas I pushed through it before or something. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I ask one last question of every guest and it's, what's your favorite food? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Um, I think if I had to pick an all-time favorite food, it would have to be eggs. Oh, wow. Do you still like them right now? Love them. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. That's good. I would have to, when I was staying with my in-laws in quarantine, I was like, we have to like double up on the egg order. (laughs) Because I, I will eat two or three every day if you let me. So anyway, I love eggs. Yeah, that's so funny. Do you have a favorite way? 
Um, I think scrambled. Like my mom oh, yeah. has this way of making really good scrambled eggs. I don't know how, what she does differently. I think she yeah. uses a lot of butter. That's probably mm-hmm. it. That's, yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> Salt, yeah. pepper, and butter. That's awesome. Well, Casey, thank you so much. I think my listeners definitely have, um, will appreciate this and I've learned a lot and it's a good topic to bring in because we don't often talk about the intersection of diabetes and how we feel about our bodies. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me.